a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the future. It's crazy. I know, I can't believe I'm only just like clocking on to the whole Zoom thing. On this episode, I chat to Lizzie Ebeg, co-founder of iconic Byron Bay fashion label Spell. Lizzie packed up her life as a film editor in Sydney after going through personal heartbreak and joined forces with her sister in Byron Bay to create Spell. The brand went from selling at small local markets to using social media to create a straight-to-consumer product worn and loved by global celebrities. It's amazing. It's so exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. Thanks for having me. I first met Lizzie when I came across Spell and fell in love with the brand. Fast forward to just recently when we did a collab with my sister Baby Anything and the Spell sisters. I can't wait to hear from Lizzie about how not knowing the rules meant that they didn't have to follow any rules, the valuable lessons the brand learned from public failure and the power of manifestation for the business. Lizzie, I am so excited to have you on Sliding Doors. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish I was in Byron with you, but we're doing it virtually, which is, is fun. But I always feel like very special when I'm in Byron and I get to see you. So thank you for giving me this time. Oh, darling, I'm so excited to speak to you. We've never done anything like this before. I know. <laughs> okay, so before I get to the hard-hitting questions, mm-hmm. I always like to do something called the fast five. They're rapid fire questions. Quick you answer the, the more honest I find the answers. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a hidden talent? Okay. I'm going to go with something that the girls always say at work. And that is that I can predict the future. Oh, yeah. Like they call me Nostradamus. Like I knew COVID was coming way before it was coming and things like that. And when we get off this, I'm asking you a whole lot of questions. (laughs) Like I was like, it's going to be a thing. And everyone's like, no, it's not Elizabeth. I'm like, it really is. Trust me. Anyway. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You can predict the future. I'm going to be calling you after this. Okay. Okay. What's your all time favorite movie? I'll go with one of my recent ones, which I just rewatched, which was I Had Huckabees which I love oh, yeah, watching yeah, yeah, yeah. just before I go into some sort of meditation retreat or something yeah. like that because it makes my mind expand. And I oh, yeah, it. I need yeah. to watch that. Yeah. Okay, describe yourself in three words. Um, intuitive, kind and controlling. I like that. Okay. Who would you trade lives with if you could for a day? I, I can't think of anyone. I'm sorry. No, it's I, fine. I, I don't think I would trade lives with anyone. I like yeah. that. I, th- I like when people say that. Yeah. Okay, what's the strangest thing you have in your handbag? Probably like a handful of shells and some seeds, like tree seeds and things that my kids always collect and put in my handbag <laughs> that we have to make craft with. I feel like anybody that lives in Byron's got <laughs> shells or rocks in their bag. And sand, bags, so. a lot and of sand. sand. <laughs> I need yeah. like a different bag that has holes in it that just lets yeah, the sand filter let it drain out. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We get to know a little bit more about you when we do those fast five. So I have known you for years and I feel like I 
fell in love with you and your sisters when I met you. I'm a, such a huge fan of the brand, but, but for people that don't necessarily know you, I would love to start at kind of the beginning where you grew up, what your, your family life was like. So could we start there with your story? Where did you grow up and, and what was it like? Well, in the early years where we grew up, we were in mm-hmm. kind of like a farm belt area of Melbourne, which many people don't know about it. It's a lot more um, suburban these days. But when I was growing up there, there was nothing but sort of fields of everlasting flowers and big paddocks with horses and cows and lemon farms and quarries and just a couple of houses smattered around intermittently. And that's where we lived. Um, my parents had kind of chosen a street that was close to this, I guess, spiritual hub that my parents were sort of part of. And a bunch of their friends also lived on that street. And so it was just a bunch of family friends all living on the same street with similar aged kids and uh, lots of corrugated iron tin sheds filled with peat moss. And it was just kind of this wonderland. Yeah, And that's where me and my sisters grew up and, you know, we'd be forever daring each other to cross the field and go through the thing and, yeah. you know, climb over the decrepit, you know, farming <laughs> yeah, equipment. Adventure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we moved to the suburbs and it was kind of a really odd shift then. Yeah. But my parents kind of tried to hold on to that kind of wild creative life and they had a little shed out in the back garden where mum milled her wheat to make bread and preserve jams and had a a photo studio in our bathroom. And that was one of the things that I really strongly remember from our childhood. And it's probably one of the things that I've really tried to carry through in my own parenting even is to try and continue that creative flow through sort of everyday life. Totally. I feel like the older you get, the more you realise how influential your parents or parent was when growing up. And I think if you had that parent that had that creative flair, you're very blessed and that freedom, you know what I mean? Like it sounds like you guys had such freedom to kind of explore and be whatever you wanted to be. Yeah. So how did you get interested in the industry that is fashion? Look, I mean... This is the weird thing is that I've never really been interested in fashion and I, I, I know we're so different in that way. Yeah. My sister, on the other hand, I, I run Spell with yeah. my sister and she's the creative, she's the designer and she has always been interested in fashion. And we, we yeah. you know, in our teens used to sit around mum and dad's house and create jewellery and accessories and handbags and, yeah. you know, go to flea markets and get little vintage things and make other things. But it was never an industry that I was interested in. And I went off after school and started to work as a film editor. And that's what I did for like almost 15 years. Oh, wow. And worked in Melbourne and Sydney and London as a film editor and um, and loved it. Yeah. And, you know, developed all these really great skills in Photoshop and storytelling and wow. the audiovisual side. And when eventually I kind of came back to Spell, I was able to kind of harness all those skills that I'd learned. But Honestly, I'm still not really interested in the fashion industry. Like, <laughs> I'm interested in it as a vehicle yes. for all the other things that I'm passionate about, yeah. which is storytelling, sustainability, and all these other sort of things that have, yeah. I guess, entrepreneurialism, and that has linked into the fashion industry. But I yeah. feel like a bit of a, you know, a fraud in that no. way. <laughs> no, we will get it's to that. Different. But I get what you're saying, and it makes so much sense now because you are such a storyteller. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So the video, mm. the editing. I get that now with mm. you. You know what I mean? You are such a storyteller yeah. and, and, and that makes such sense. And that's not to say that I didn't like think about what I wore because 
I mean, oh God, my, no. we love some you know, <laughs> our first five or six collections were so inspired by my vintage wardrobe. And that yeah. was what, how I expressed myself was through yeah. fashion and through what I wore and how I wore it. And, you know, I'd go out with all my Sydney friends who were in their like Subi jeans and they're like, cool, whatever. And I'd be like wearing a big long robe yeah. with like yeah. a big fluffy Russian hat or something crazy. And, you know, so I definitely still expressed myself through fashion, but it was never like this desire to get into the fashion industry. Yes. Yeah. So from video editing to Spell, how did it happen? And what was the big sliding door moment for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I hadn't even considered fashion or even entrepreneurialism, it was just, yeah. you know, I was a freelancer and I was working yeah. um, for lots of different production houses, editing videos from television commercials. To... Did you love it? Okay. I loved what I did. Yeah. But I looked around me at all the people in my life, like my best friends who were often singer-songwriters or, you know, actors or people that loved, even if they were lawyers, like people loved yeah. their job. They loved yeah. their job. They just like <laughs> yeah. had this passion where they would forego other things for their yeah. job and for their career. Yeah. And I looked at them and I longed to have what they had. Uh-huh. And I think where that really came to a head was when I fell in love with my beautiful boyfriend at the time, who was one, my best friend. Yeah. And he was an actor and he loved his job. Like he was yeah. passionate. Yeah, yeah. And I looked at him and I was just like, oh, I wish I had that. <laughs> and I just wanted what he had because he'd often choose his job over me, which was yeah. kind of unbelievable to me. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 but I get it. Yeah, yeah, no. If it makes you feel any better, when I first met Joel Patful, he did the football. I was like, dude, it's like, I was yeah. like, hello. Do you not hello? see what you have here? <laughs> but I did. I, I really longed for this kind of passion. I mean, I've since kind of dropped the idea that it has to be this passion, but. No, but I get you. And especially at that point of your life, I feel like you, you do see those people doing the things Mm. and they like live and breathe it. I remember working with Jamie Blakey at One Teaspoon and she was like that. And I was like, oh my God, like you've got a kid strapped to the front of you and you're like up a ladder, but like you are into this, like every part of your being wants this. And I, I kind of would wonder, is it because it, it's theirs and it belongs to them that they love it. Is it what is, and I, and I was literally so confused. I was like, what, what elicits this, that I used to call it my turquoise moment. Like what gives me goosebumps on my arms? Like, and I often get that if I'd go into certain like vintage stores and find a really beautiful old, like Native American Indian jewelry piece that I'd put on and it would awaken something or, you know, there'd be certain moments in a vintage store that I'd find something old and dusty and I'd just feel excited How do I turn that into a business? Do I open a vintage store? Like what? Or how do I turn that into my passion? And I just kind of kept looking and asking. I did the artist's way, and I Uh, would meet my one of my best friends at Gertrude and Alice or whatever the bookstore in Bondi and try and work out it. You know what I was meant to be doing. You were really searching. I was searching, and you were aware of the fact that you were searching. Yeah, and which was weird as well because I had a great job. I loved editing. I just what people would say to me, "Oh, so are you looking to edit feature films?" Or and that was the direction I should have been going down. Like, yeah, you know, you keep upping yourself. You know, I'm editing maybe television commercials or you know MTV stuff. Yeah, yeah. but I should be aiming for something bigger and better. And I was. Like, I don't really care. I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's not where I'm going. And yeah. I'd meet people in the film industry and I'd be like, you are so boring to me. Like nothing <laughs> yeah. you're saying, you're, this is yeah, happening. And, and I'm like, yeah. And eventually 
my boyfriend and I broke up and, you know, he just kept going along his path and I just crumbled in a big heap. And that was my hundred, that was my sliding doors moment of just absolute depth of despair for me in my heart. I was brokenhearted and I was not coping at the time and I went into therapy and I went on antidepressants and I kind of just spiraled, not spiraled down, but I spiraled into just this absolute soul-searching dark moment of the night. I've got goosebumps because I feel like we all have that point in our life. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'd never been through grief. I'd never been through a death in the family really that hadn't, you know, hadn't been able to cope with quite, you know, humanly and normally. And I, I think I just started to feel this, huge human experience of grief and I explored it and I went down yeah. and I just kind of swam around in it. And it was in one of the things, I, I went and did a sort of self-development course in Sydney and it was one of those weekends where um, I don't really remember what it was that I learned or, yeah. the, you know, the aha moment. There was nothing yeah. like that. It was just more that I did the course and then at the end of the weekend, I was doing my Bondi at a Bronte walk and I just, it was like a, it was like a, you've got to move to Byron. Like you just have to go to Byron. Like that's where you're moving. And this wow. is before, and this is 15 years ago. Yeah. So no one was moving. Well, you know, was any was, of your family there? Just my sister. Wow. Okay. Spelly was living in Byron and I'd go up there and I'd have a little heart feeling when I was there. Yes. When I was there, I felt home. Yeah. It just felt very clear. And I think yeah. that was, you know, this sort of year of soul searching yeah. and then, when I just had this vision, I just knew that's, it's like I saw a light shining to Byron. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm no, just, I, be- I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I believe you. I packed yeah. my little, you know, Toyota Corolla, you know, I was probably $10,000, $15,000 in debt just because I'd been living like, I've got a job, yeah. I don't need to yeah, be yeah, out of debt, yeah, I'm fine, yeah. you know. And so left my apartment, moved up to Byron, moved in with Spelly for a month and then moved into not a share house. Not knowing what you were doing? No not idea. No, 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 I did. I, I, I rang her and said, can I go into business with you? Because she had already Stop. started. Yeah. So she'd really? Already sta- she was selling jewellery at the markets and had started. Yeah. I didn't kind of realise how much she'd already developed. She had yeah. already started a brand, yeah. which was called Spell. Yes. And I was like, okay, we're going to need to change the name. It doesn't, it's not great. <laughs> um, but I'll come up. Can I come up and join the business? And, you know, a lot of people would say, did you buy into the business? No, yeah. no, 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 no. Just can just... I come and join in? Sure. Come oh, join in. It's a Actually, real yes. sister thing, isn't it? It was it's like, you know, yeah. you get it. Yeah. You don't, yeah, there's do. not a, will you buy in or whatever? No. no, no, no. Yeah. Come, come. And I mean that in that moment, she just opened her arms and, and I came up and it turns out that we had these completely complementary skill sets. Yeah. You know, everything that she was good at. I had no idea about. Like I can't yeah. design, you know, I have lots of ideas. I'm a no real idea. ideas you, you girl. But we complemented each other and I kind of came with this communication and storytelling and, you know, just at the time when Pinterest had, hadn't even started yet. Instagram yeah. hadn't started. Because how old is Spell now? Well, that was 2009. Wow. And I think Pinterest maybe launched in 2009 or something. I'm still not on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when it was, it was when, yes. it was the yes. first time no, that I content, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Was, was, it, yeah. The world, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys form a dream together? Yeah. Before I even moved up, so I, I decided to move and then we booked a trip to Bali together to have our first business meeting. So we, I'd love we to both see you met guys on that in first Bali. trip to Bali. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Just sitting yes, around going. I love anyway, it. Anyway, <laughs> what are we going to call the And, we, you know, we, 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 we literally had a book where we tried to brainstorm what we'd call the business, change wow. it from spell to something else, and we had all these different ideas. I think we were going to call it 
she wears feathers in her hair. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I love oh it. Oh my god, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Or she loves great. Bob Dylan and wears feathers in it. Anyway, it was the whole thing was anyway. I'm into it. Though. But look at the storytelling. The yeah, storytelling yeah. in the name. Yeah. <laughs> and we designed a few things on that trip and got it, got them made and and then I went back to Sydney and drove up to Byron and we had our market and you know, there'd be the Byron markets, we'd have our market stall and you know, everyone would just be meandering around the markets, but our market store would be 25 people deep. Wow. Just like a sea of people buying. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, we can't change the name. It's a thing already. Yeah, like, we, yeah. no, 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 no. This she shit. had already had, she, she kind of had that momentum. Store. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It yeah. was already like, it had a hand painted sort of spell yeah. sign on it. And, you know, she'd made little, t- she'd actually done a lot of stuff. So she already yeah. had the FPOS machine and it oh, was already not. functioning. <laughs> she already had a website. Yeah. It was all there. And then yeah. I just came and made it better. Yeah. Like I just stepped in and, 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 and refined. Yeah. Did she see your worth to the business? Do you know what I mean? When you kind of stepped in, did she see like, wow, this is going to take it to another level? Honestly, I think she saw my worth, but at the time it was kind of like, well, imagine if we could quit because I got a cafe job and she was still working at the hostel. So it was kind of like, imagine if we could just like quit our hostel job and our cafe job. Like, you know, it was, it was purely just if we could pay our rent, yeah. That would be so rad. Yes. And and yes. if we could make stuff that we could wear ourselves. Yeah. Like, and it was never about starting a business. It was just no. each moment. And straight away, you know how you asked before about do you have a hidden talent? Like one yes. of our hidden talents was manifesting. Like we would literally yeah. go, we would, I said, okay, let's walk around the industrial estate in Byron and we'll literally point to the building that we want to have our headquarters in. And we yeah. walked around and we went, that one, that's it. And we walked in there and said, are you leaving? And they said, yeah, we're leaving. Like have it. And then we just had it. And then it was like, you know, $200 a month or something. And we were in there. It was a shack. I remember it. It But yeah, but then we pointed across the road to where we are now and said, that's our next HQ. And we went in and said, are you leaving? And they're like, no. But then like five or six years later, we moved in because they moved. And it just, it like, that's, we just started manifesting all these little things and, you know, it just happened to be at the time when blogs were blowing up and, yeah. and, and you know, all that stuff. But, yeah, so yeah. It, we just worked really well as a team. And we would, you know, we would sit at the office until midnight playing Sex in the City <laughs> on our little crappy laptop and yeah. just making jewellery and, you yeah. know, I think I just injected a lot of energy. Yeah. The two of us, like, it just kind of all just started to... I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to talk about sacrifice because I think people now look at your business and see all of the beautiful bells and whistles. I mean, the retail store, the head office, everybody that works for you. I'd love to hear about some of the grit, some of the sacrifice that you've had to go through. Would you mind sharing some of those stories? Look, I think in those first few years of having children, I found it really challenging. I think when anyone would ask me at the time, how are you juggling it or how are you, yeah. you know, being a mother and, and and still running this business, I would just burst into tears. And I felt a lot of grief about the moments that I was missing with my children. Yeah. And that was really hard. But I And I felt guilt, not mother guilt to my child, like she was missing out on anything yeah. because, gosh, I mean, I always used to say people get born at war, like they'll be fine, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it was guilt to myself, to my future self, that I would look back one day and say, I missed that. 
I missed those days that she was at daycare or that, yeah. you know, whatever. But through walking that path with my children, I've now built a business which allows me to spend so much more time with my children and I have no regrets about it at all. But it was really difficult for those times and it's also given me so much more empathy for all the mothers in my business. So we have yeah. a, you know, we have a staff of around 70 women yeah. basically. Yeah. There's you maybe a amazing. man here somewhere. But yeah. there's like 70 women and, you know, it feels like every day there's a baby bomb going off, you know, there's yeah. a baby, you know, something's happening and there's yeah. maternity leave. And I have so much more empathy for those mothers who are yeah. either leaving or coming back or choosing to, you know, whatever they're choosing, we try and create an environment here where our team can integrate that mother working life in the way that suits them. And I don't yeah. think that I would have had that empathy had I not gone through those struggles yeah. myself. I look at you now and all the time you spend with your children and I just think it's so beautiful, you know what I mean? But I, mm-hmm. I actually forgot, and I knew you then, the hustle that you were doing. Yeah. I remember seeing you pregnant, what, hustling. I, I remember you having baby and hustling. Yeah. It's funny how you forget about that and you just sit in the now and yeah. you're like, oh, it's fabulous. Well, you know I what I mean? paying wages on the Commonwealth Bank um, yeah. like app, app in yeah. the hospital like while they were changing my, you know, bloods or whatever (laughs) after having a baby, you know, paying wages at at the time. And now I can't believe that because I've created a situation where people can go off and have maternity leave and we have space. And and I did that with my third child. I was able to take a year off and my team was so supportive. And to be able to have done that and feel the the difference, it makes all that hard work at the beginning worthwhile. Something that we touched on before, which I think a lot of people would just love to hear from you, is a thing called imposter syndrome. I think there is a stigma around the fashion industry. Funny enough, you and I actually ran into each other at Fashion Week this year, not at Fashion Week, but it was just funny because both of us kind of had a look of fear in our face and was just like, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. Do you suffer from imposter syndrome? Do you feel? Oh my gosh. On one hand, completely. I mean, I was saying that I just listened to one of your other episodes when I was on my walk this morning and you were speaking to Laura May and I was just like, oh my God, she's so amazing. Oh my God, who am I? Why am I on this podcast? (laughs) Because you're fabulous. (laughs) But especially because, you know, at a certain point, I really made the decision to take on speaking engagements and I loved going to conferences and hearing other women speak about their journey and I was like I want to be doing that and so I had to kind of be okay with getting up on stage and telling my story while at the same time completely not feeling like I was in the room with people that like I'd look at them and go they're in this industry and I'm just this market stall girl Yes. So I I 100% still to this day have that feeling and going to Fashion Week was my worst nightmare because it just feels like, (laughs) oh, my God, I just want to be in my tracksuit pants (laughs) at home in the hotel with a girlfriend on my bed. Yeah, yes. yes. You know, like this is my worst nightmare. But at the same time, I also love being in those spaces with people coming from a completely different space and having pioneered our journey within the fashion industry, not knowing anything about the fashion industry and watching people's faces when at, I remember walking the streets of Brisbane with plastic Tupperware containers of our jewellery and arriving at a beautiful boutique store, like amazing store, and taking our jewellery out, which was separated by pillowcases. So you'd pull a pillowcase away and then they'd be, you know, and they'd just be looking at us like, really? And I'd be like, "Mm mm-hmm. 
trust yeah. me, it's fine, you know. Yeah. And just not knowing the rules meant that we didn't have to follow any rules and we yeah. didn't know we were breaking rules. And I remember at the beginning trying to describe what a direct-to-consumer brand was. I was like, yeah. so, you know, you just don't have to go to wholesale and it's, like, amazing and we just go straight online and now I know that's a thing. And then I heard about, yeah. I went somewhere and heard about bootstrapping and I was like, that's yeah. a thing. I thought we invented yeah. bootstrapping, I like not it. getting an investor and not having no. any money and starting with 20 bucks, yeah. you know. But I, I didn't realise and so I kind of loved that we forged our own path and I feel proud and strong because yeah. of that. So, I yeah. love that. There's a common theme in these conversations. The less you know, the less fear you have. You know what I mean? And I think there's something beautiful about that. Well, it's a very specific path that you have when you don't know much yeah. about something because you have to learn it as you go and that's exciting and you have to be curious. Yeah. And that's what I feel like we were. We were always just excited and curious. Like I'd be like to my friends, have you heard of this app? It's called Instagram. Oh, my God. You're not <laughs> going to believe it. Like you can post something and then people see it and they then they just buy stuff. It's crazy. And it was that. amazing to me. And everything was just blowing my mind. Whereas now to be like, you've got to do it this way and you've got to do it this uh, way. And how are you doing this? I still and, don't know, do it right. Do you want to, it's still <laughs> part of the fun is that I still don't do it right. But on social media, did it have a huge effect with your business? Oh, I mean, we would be one of the original brands in Australia to have started and succeeded on those original social media applications, whether that's Instagram and using Facebook and Pinterest and everything. But they also have a toll on your heart and your soul. And I think it's difficult for businesses like mine who we were so excited genuinely. We genuinely lived and breathed those apps, those platforms. And now we've been on them for 10, 15 years. And there's elements of like, you know, disillusionment with those. And then you have the younger people coming up from behind us who are going to just have this whole new sense of, you know, and so we've got to now, you know, reach out to those people and have them in our business because we're not going to have the same relationship with those platforms that we had when we were starting out. So I feel like old now. (laughs) I know it doesn't stop. It's quite funny, isn't it? I mean, it's Mm. evolving. It's constantly evolving. I think Instagram is one of the best, Mm. but I do think Spell's DNA on Instagram has been amazing. You know what I mean? It is a storytelling journey. Like it is your imagery. And we genuinely loved it. You know, yeah. we, we just loved it. It was like, for us, it was this visual diary, which is how we grew up. My parents, we all had visual diaries growing yeah. up. We had our life book where we'd en- yeah. make entries every year into our life book. And every time we travel, we wow. keep visual diaries. And my kids do that now. We all keep visual yeah. diaries every holiday we go and we take photos and get them printed at like, you know, Big oh, yes, W you along do, the way. You? Yeah, you know? I see you guys do that. You make your books. It's yeah. great. Yeah, and it's like I'm kind of doing that with my children because I know they're going to grow up in a world where social media is part of the language. But I feel yeah. like if they can have that visual, tangible way tangible, of telling story yeah. first, then it can translate in a more authentic way that's not just you know, yeah. jumping on yeah. that platform. But yeah. I know, and then it's gone. And yeah. then it kind of like, it's still there, but it's gone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like there's all these amazing moments and they have their moment. And then as soon as it falls down off that front page, it's like, it's done. And it's yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, okay, next thing. Yeah. When did you guys really see your following kind of take off? The people that were kind of loving Spell? I know you were doing the markets, but mm. when was like the moment where it kind of, you were like, wow, this is like, we're going for it. I think around... 2015, we noticed that was when things started to grow at such a pace that we couldn't keep up and the wheels of the business kind of felt like they were going to fall off. Yeah. I mean, there were 
lots of different moments. And it would have been around bloggers like yourself. I mean, you would have been part of one of those moments when you first wore, I think it was the little white jumpsuit. Was that yeah. one, of, one of the first? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you wore that and it was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, but we already knew the power. It wasn't a surprise to us. We weren't one of those yeah. brands who were like, oh my God, influencers. Yes. You know, it was like, <laughs> oh yeah, we know. No, you guys were we always know. very good with influencers. Yeah. Mm. You guys were very welcoming. You know what I mean? But so. it, we could see it happen firsthand. So we could sit, we would literally, you know, back in the day, we didn't care. We'd just show sneak peeks. No one was copying yeah. like what we were doing at that point. So like you just show, you know, Spelly would be in the fit studio and we'd show something and yeah. people would go bananas about a jumpsuit and we'd go, yeah oh, we better order lots of those. Yes, you know, yeah. So we know that that touch yeah. point of, you know, a feed on Instagram, how powerful it was and, you know, whether it was certain bloggers at the time wearing and then it would just, we'd see direct translation in sales and followers and the community just began to grow. Yeah, yeah, because you guys had, you had the little store, didn't you, in Byron and you had wholesalers. Is that how it kind of worked for you? When after we moved out of the headquarters on yeah. the corner in the industrial estate, we had the little store in Byron on yeah on Lawson. the side. Because yeah. I just remember every summer when we would come up, the line would be getting bigger and bigger out of that store, <laughs> and it, and you knew something was happening because you know I mean the first summer you could kind of walk in and only wait a couple of minutes for a change room, and then that last summer before you guys moved, I will never forget there was like a portable air conditioning unit trying to cool us down. Oh my god, that's right. And like there was oh, like no. we were all fanning out. We were lined out this down the street like it it, it just went yeah. mental well I guess it was that launch day we had this kind of launch like it started to become this thing that we'd have a launch day which yeah. you know like an album launch it was kind yeah. of like that how I used to wait for the Tori yeah. Amos album launch but like <laughs> so we sort of started that model of like yeah. yeah, bring it out on a certain day and then people wouldn't and now people still line up at our at, um, side of our Byron store um, on a launch day, which is really exciting because we get to have such a buzz in there. Yeah, um, it's nice. But, yeah, there was just those, you know, a few really pivotal sort of social media moments with different influencers like yourself and, um, you know, I, th- I remember when Vanessa Hudgens wore a, oh, something yeah. at Coachella once and then straight yes. away that kind of Coachella scene kind of came yeah. up where there were these kind of events where people would wear stuff and it just was one thing after another that really kind of um, – but I think realising – that direct-to-consumer model was our model and and then owning it and deciding that our business is going to be primarily driven through our online store and not seek out wholesalers. It was when we were able to really just focus in on the brand in its current incarnation rather than trying to constantly look outwards. Did you ever have, can I ask, because I have a very memorable L effect fail, did you ever have a moment where it just didn't happen? Like something went really wrong and you had to kind of get up and like flip the switch and like make a right? Oh, oh, goodness gracious. And very publicly as well. This wasn't stuff that happened behind the scenes. Like we brought out a dress, the infamous Blue Skies dress, yeah. probably was around 2015 or 16. And um, we released it and it was amazing and beautiful. And then a few of the girls in the store realised that like they had handbags on and the bag was rubbing oh, on the, the dress. And because it was um, uh, when we first started to really yeah. start taking some big steps around sustainability. And we knew that if we digitally printed fabric, it would have a much less, you know, carbon effect yeah. in water and it's much more sustainable to digitally print. But we hadn't kind of nailed the fabric that we'd use so that when it did rub, you could sort of see white fabric underneath 
underneath it and we had to recall the dress. We decided to recall oh, the dress. Many wow. brands would not have done that. You know, a little bit no. of a rub. Sorry, you rubbed your handbag on it too bad. It's really yeah. But we um, recalled and, 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 you know, I just sat there at my desk and cried as I wrote yeah. the email to all yeah. the, the Facebook oh, post and just yeah. said, guys, I can't. But in the end, it ended up being this huge learning because it was the first time we really came out to our community and, and, and really put quality very much above our own reputation. We had to kind of just come out and say, this is what we've done wrong. We're going to recall it. Many customers wrote to us and said, we want to keep the dress. We're not giving it back to you. And then other people said, we'll send it back, but don't refund me. We'll give give the money to charity. So we had to end up giving all this money to charity because people wouldn't take the money. But like there was just so many beautiful moments from our customers. And we realised that was the first time that we we realised that our customers didn't expect us to be perfect. They just wanted us to be completely transparent and honest with them. And and that has been the cornerstone of any decision-making process around a difficult moment. We will go to our customers or our community and say, this is what's going on. This is what happened. This is what we did, you know, and because yeah. they knew us from the beginning, they know that we're yeah. humans and we're people and they know that our customer care yeah. team by name most of the time, you know, yeah. so it was this really huge learning moment for us. And wow. we've been able to call on that sort of bravery again yes. and again when little things have gone wrong and we've been able to go to our community and they've always forgiven us and, and realised that they want really us to be true. I really love that. I really, yeah. really like it. It is a bravery and you work out who your community is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Your brand, the people that work for you live and breathe it and it is, they treat it like it is theirs. Do you know what I mean? And it's very rare that you find people, I mean, I've traveled with a lot of the Spell Girls and they don't stop, you know what I mean? Like they, because they, they're so invested in it. Like how do you find those people? Because I think it's one of your amazing qualities. Well, I think that we we often, the people who come and work here who don't have that same drive or passion or don't share our vision, they usually work for us for a few great months and then yeah. they move on and that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. the majority of the people that come and find us, they share, we just share something in common and that is yeah. that, you know, the person who is doing our payroll or the person who's doing our accounts or our legal or wholesale or whatever they do, that they love doing what they do. They love legal. That They get so excited when they get to send that cease and desist letter to someone who's copying one of our prints. (laughs) You know, they just like run up to me and they look what I did. And I'm like, that's amazing. And, you know, it's every person in every department loves what they do. Yeah. And it's that passion that, I mean, you know, for me, I think back to that moment when I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't even know what my passion was and I wanted something to fill my heart space around it. Yeah. We have now created a business where other people who are looking for what they love to do and they can come and they can do it here. And so if we can give them a vehicle to do what they do and they, and love it and then pay them to do what they love, then I mean, that's how it works, right? It comes out of them though. There is something that glows in your girls. They care. Then it's so nice to be around them. I, I like to think that we empower the people in their roles to, like, I trust each person in my role. And it's funny because I, you know, I think about me you know, and sometimes people say, oh, you're such a good, you know, your boss this or running a business. And I'm like, well, actually, all I've done is facilitate. It's like I'm the gardener facilitating. Yeah. I made like a kind of, you know, garden bed. But yeah. all of these people doing all the amazing things are people running the business, you know, and I kind of just stand there maybe giving it a water <laughs> occasionally. But they're these yeah. roses and beautiful gardenias and amazing. They're just 
these beautiful flowers that do their thing. And yeah, I don't really do that much these days. (laughs) You do. Like trust me, Spelly. Spelly does you it do. all. Sorts of things. You do. I always say, I oh, I live by the saying that I learned when I was at General Pants that the fish rots from the head down. So the head <laughs> has to be amazing. You yeah. know what I mean? And I do. I really do. So you guys are amazing. Yeah. So that's why your fishy's still swimming in the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That means so much. So people that you have worked with, that you have loved working with, I would love to chat about that. I know J-Lo wore your outfit when she got proposed to, which blew my mind. Mel was very excited. Like (laughs) you guys made my sister Lucy and I's dreams come true when we did the... Whatever. You made our dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) All of the sister dreams came true with the spell times baby anything times L collab. I mean, you guys don't actually collab with a lot of people. So to be able to do this with you, it's been a dream. I loved working with you guys. Like that that's where we get our most joy from is when we're working with people like yourself who share a vision. And, you know, I mean, we share a vision as businesswomen and even as creatives, but then there's this other element that we wanted to tap into working together and that was being sisters, you know, and yes. having this kind of shared bond it was bond like, over <laughs> our ridiculous film references and music. And we just have this, like, you know, the amount of times we send messages to each other in the middle of, you know, late at night, going, bah, 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 this, that. <laughs> and for me, seeing some amazing, gorgeous celebrity wear something over somewhere else is great. But to be able to work with someone who like you and Lucy, who it's just like, it was so amazing doing the collaboration with you guys. Look, I mean, I don't want to get emotional because I'm yet to cry on this podcast. I'm really trying to hold my stuff together. (laughs) It has been an incredible experience. And to be able to do it with you guys has just been, there's something really unique about collaborating with people that share the same, I think it's heart. Like, I think it's actually Mm. just the respect. Like it's been such an amazing experience working with you and your team and have so much respect given to everybody that's been involved in it. I mean, the people that we got to meet through this journey with you, I, I mean, we know we yeah. love you both, but the people that we got to meet through it and just being able to create our dream capsule has just been like mm. beyond. So, and very special because you don't collaborate with a lot of people. You know what I mean? We don't. We're, it's, I mean, that's probably one of our, to be honest, our weaknesses. We very much keep everything very tight and we're not used to it. Like yeah. we're very insular and we're very autonomous. We do everything ourselves, you know, everything's in-house. We're just, that's how we kind of had to, because we we didn't know it. We're up here in Byron. Like there was nothing else happening. It was just here. So we held everything close and we did everything ourselves. So to reach out to the people that we respect to do little collaborations like this, and I say little, but it's been really huge, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Was scary and really cool. Yeah. Like to reach out beyond our own little Byron Bubble was really very special. It really was. Um, (laughs) With that saying, what's next for you guys? What's happening next? Yeah. Well, look, um, we've been, as you know, on a really huge sustainability journey for for many years now. At the beginning, there was a huge learning curve for us with sustainability and we spent the first few years, you know, learning a lot. First off, trying to do it all ourselves, realizing that was impossible, getting lots of consultants and, you know, having to reach out way beyond our comfort zone and reach out to other people to help us. And that's been really huge. And that's really 
continues to be our focus. Yeah. Do you remember you and I having dinner together years and years and years ago? And I remember I was like, what do you see as the trends? What do you, I was like, activewear is going to be really big. Are you guys going to do it? And you said to me, I'll never forget it. We're at the Mez Club. And you oh said to God. me, you said it's all about sustainability. And you oh, said wow. the whole focus of our whole business is sustainability. And you said like in five years time, people will not want to shop with brands that aren't sustainable and doing the right thing. And I remember mm. in the moment kind of going, but active wear is going to be huge. And well, it's, it, you were right and I was right. So we were both no, right. But, it, but it, I had so much respect for you because you actually weren't about like the trends and how to make the dollars. You were forward thinking and you were willing to kind of sacrifice like things to be able to learn to make the future right. And I'll never forget. I would like remember where we were sitting and everything. Yeah, so. I, can't, I don't remember saying that, but that's, I mean, that continues to be our focus. And, yeah. you know, we're still learning like every day, yeah. reducing our carbon footprint and continuing to just constantly put a microscope over every fa- fabrication that we use. And, and, and yeah. you know, you can think that one fabrication is way more sustainable than others for a certain period and then you realise more light comes to, you know, around a certain fabric and you have to pivot away from that and move it to a different one and it's just a constant evolution in that space and and, and that's still our biggest focus. But also over the last few years with COVID, we kind of took our eye off our community over in America and we're really, really wanting to put our love back in there and get back in there. We were just about to open a store in Venice and it was like, ah, it was kind of good that we did it because we wouldn't have been able to be over there and that would have been terrible. But we've got a lot of our heart over there, a lot of friends, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of our people are over there and we want to get back over there. So Yeah, trust me, if you need me to carry anything, I'm I'm going in bed. We'll just send you over. I'm going in bed. (laughs) You won't be able to stop me. A lot of people are listening to this that want to start their own either brand or journey or kind of have that aha moment on the Bondi de Bronte like you have. (laughs) What advice would you give to somebody that's about to start that next chapter or that journey? I guess I think back to that time when I had that year of kind of that dark night of the soul for myself, which was, you know, in hindsight, so lighthearted, you know, it was a breakup, it was fine. But just when you do go through those moments of, of um, whether it's grief or reckoning or hardship or those are the moments, those are the moments that it will come from. That, that's, the, that's the bed before the seed. That's, that's the fertile ground yes. that yes. the flowers grow from. You know, yeah. that if it weren't for those moments of darkness, I would still be living in Bondi editing thinking this job ain't so bad. Like it's a great job. I make good money. I can travel. I can enjoy. I can pay the rent. This is fine. But I would have a longing and it wasn't until I had this moment of reckoning where I was able to look within and then something else was born from that. So I guess I would just say don't be afraid of those those times that are challenging because that's where the gold is. It's very true. Sometimes you've got to get yeah. down in the dirt before mm-hmm. you you can come up and be the flower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lizzie, Aww. I've adored this conversation Aww, with you. Darling. I really, really, I adore you. I could just hang out with you and hear you talk all the time. Aww. Thank you for giving this opportunity to speak to you and for people to hear your story and being so raw. Like I have to be honest, there were a couple of times that really hit me and I was like, wow, we've had those moments and it's Aww. really nice to hear somebody you know just talk about it and be really honest so thank you so much for being here darling thank you so much for having me it was such a joy speaking so 
Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson. Producer, Tina Matalov. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.